Please turn with me to the book of Job and the first chapter, Job and chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain, the, they have slain thy, the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another. And said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. 
Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's bow and ask help. Eternal Father, we bow before thee this evening. We ask thee, Lord, to apply to our hearts the reading of thy word, that we might understand that thou hast indeed magnified it above all thy name, that we should take note, that we should hide it in our hearts, that we should understand that those things which are written are written for us who live in these latter times. Lord, that we might consider them as we consider all of the scriptures and that we might be prepared for all the eventualities that come upon us in this world. Lord, we thank thee that the thing which is secure in Christ Jesus is our soul. We thank thee that even as the apostle Paul has said, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Lord, we pray that we might recognize that the things which come to pass in this world, they come to pass. But that which is eternal, salvation in the heavens, does not come to pass. It comes to stay. We pray, our gracious God, that we, for the joy that is set before us, might endure the cross and despise the shame. Lord, we pray that we might rejoice even in the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and that we might even be partakers of the sufferings of Christ, and in all things give thee the glory. Touch us, we ask thee this evening, and help us, Lord, to have that right heart before thee, to give thee praise and worship in every eventuality. And Lord, we pray that thou wilt sustain us by thy grace, for thou wilt not allow us to be tempted above that we are able, but we'll also give with it a, a way of escape. So here is we ask thee and provide for us. And Lord, we pray that we might take great care over the way of escape, even before these things come to pass, that we might know that in the Lord is our safety and our hope. Here is then we ask and continue with us this evening. In the Saviour's precious and worthy name, we ask it. Amen. So I want to consider the uh, story here of Job and the strange things which uh, occur really in this opening chapter of Job. In the second chapter also as we are given a glimpse into a realm which, we are, which is not open to our view in, in usual times. Uh, the, the mystery of a spiritual attack upon us, which will be my first point indeed, uh, to consider the mystery of a spiritual attack. Uh, I want to go on then to consider the mastery of a spiritual attack and the management of a spiritual attack. The mystery of a spiritual attack, of course, is open to us in the words of Scripture and things that we cannot see and no one else can see, these things revealed uh, to the writer here uh, by the Lord that he might know that Satan himself comes and stands before the Lord among the sons of God, as we read in verse 6. And that the Lord it is who raises the subject, which is uh, sometimes a, a bit of a shock to us, that the Lord might raise the subject and say uh, to Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Uh, we might I suppose, infer that Satan had certainly considered his servant Job because his instant answer is, doth Job fear God for naught? So he knew who Job was and indeed had considered him before 
and no doubt would have attacked him before, except that we read that Satan says, but you have built a hedge about him, uh, that he would be kept, a hedge on every side, verse 10. And so the Lord is is really uh, beginning to work in Job's life, not just to uh, cause him as much trouble as possible, but to sanctify him and to test him. I wonder sometimes whether the testing for those who perhaps have been brought up in a, in a Christian home is somewhat different to the testing of those who have been saved uh, from the ungodly home. Uh, those perhaps who have come to trust in the Lord in their youth and may look back and say, well, I'm not really sure when it was. I remember calling upon the name of the Lord and asking him into my heart and, and confessing my sins, but I, I couldn't tell you how old I was or where I was, it happened on many occasions. Uh, I, I myself could say that uh, there were many times when I asked the Lord to save me. And uh, whether the Lord saved me on that first occasion or not, or whether uh, really it was upon my heart to be saved at that point, or uh, whether it was in one of the subsequent points, because uh, as a child, of course, foolishness is bound up in our hearts and we, we might cry out and then go off and forget that we have even said anything. That The moment has passed and we're back to playing as we were before. But then we don't really understand quite the same way as someone who has been brought up in the world and the things of the world and has not known the scriptures quite what the transformation is when Jesus Christ comes into your life and changes you and begins to that work of sanctification and I think that perhaps sometimes there is that work of God which works in the child of God who has been saved from their youth to deal with them in ways that they didn't really really realize they needed to be dealt with he was a man we read in Job who feared God and eschewed evil we see something of him how that it was so much in his mind and in his heart that even when his sons and his daughters were meeting together to feast he would bring an offering according to the number of them all Uh, for Job said it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts and thus did Job continually so this has become a part of his life this is his life this is the way he lives his life from my part, I would think that uh, similarly, because I'm a, a minister of the gospel, it's a part of my life. Studying the scripture is a part of my life. And to, to read the scriptures and to pray is a part of the work. Even to minister and to uh, proclaim the gospel is a part of my work. And how much is it a part of my work? And how much is it a part of my person and my personal walk with the Lord? How do you separate those two things? Is it possible to become a professional preacher, a professional prayer, a professional evangelist, and really to have departed from the the presence of the Lord altogether? And is it not necessary for the Lord sometimes to deal with us in such a way that we are brought to trust in him personally and to walk with him personally? And the difficulties of life come upon us that the Lord might make it clear to us that we need that personal fellowship with God and it's not just a matter of doing the things which can become a profession uh, that we really need to be speaking to the Lord not just um, rehearsing prayers and and that's that's such an easy thing to do uh, when so many scriptures 
are in my mind. I can quote scriptures in prayer. Sometimes people think that uh, the preacher must be a, a great spiritual person because they can quote scriptures. We'll quote scriptures because we know the scriptures. But does that, does that actually mean anything? Is it the same as someone who doesn't know the scriptures very well but has just been reading perhaps through the Psalms that day and the verses touch their heart and grip heart and grip them and they come before the Lord and plead the scriptures? They can be just words that roll off our tongue. And I think that Job has come pretty much to that situation where this is, this is the way he lives. And for him to be tested in the way that he is, is something which is going to try him until he comes in the end of the book of Job and verses which uh, we, we had to preach on in college, in actual fact, uh, many years ago and really struck me at that time uh, when Job says, Behold, I am vile. Uh, he, uh, he suddenly realizes who he is and what he is and how the, 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 the Lord is, is just so much greater than he, he, himself. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. There's a change of heart, a change of attitude in his life. So when we brought to this mystery of a spiritual attack, first of all, we see concerning the, uh, the adversary, the, the word Satan meaning an adversary, uh, how that the adversary uh, is about his rounds and walking to and fro, fro in the earth, his circumambulation through the earth. Uh, of course, we're warned about this in the New Testament too, aren't we? Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 and says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Obviously, from reading the text here, he had sought whom he may devour and discovered that he couldn't devour Job because there was a hedge about him. But he desired to. In my understanding of, um, of the situation today, I think that Satan is bound, but nevertheless, that doesn't make him toothless. I think he can only go so far, but if we wander into his presence, then we are in great danger. If you remember the story of uh, Bunyan's story of the Pilgrim's Progress and the two lions there and the path down the middle and there was fear to walk past them. But when finally Christian walks past them, he finds that they are chained and they cannot reach him. But they looked for the world like dangerous creatures, dangerous creatures they were. And if he wandered over to pat them on the head, he would have been in real problems. But we, we sometimes go very, very close uh, to those situations where uh, we are in great danger. The devil would seek to have us and sift us as wheat. We see the character of this adversary. He is an adversary as in a war. He, he is ready to fight against us. He is ready to uh, take us on at any point. And he is equal to the task. He is beyond equal to the task. We are the ones who are not equal to the task but for the grace of God. And he is, he is ready to, to stand against us and fight us tooth and nail. We need to recognize that as he walks to and fro in the earth, 
Though he may be held uh, to that certain extent, there are times when we are within his grasp. We need the Lord to strengthen us. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's an accuser. Also, we read in the, uh, in the book of Revelation that he accuses the brethren night and day. He accuses and he brings the charge against us continually. But he has no power to bring a charge. He is, he is uh, one who um, w- would seek to uh, slander us before the Lord. Um, in, in Romans chapter 8, the, the words are not, I said before, I know the scriptures, can't remember this one. But Romans chapter 8, um, it says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is God, uh, it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Uh, and uh, having preached on that verse many years ago, uh, who lays anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, that is to, uh, down to Jesus Christ to lay a charge. And who is he that condemneth? Well, it is down to Christ to condemn. But it is Christ who died. He is on our side. Satan cannot condemn us. And Satan cannot lay a charge, not a formal charge, but he can bring the attention to us and say, well, look at that, look at this, look at the other thing. And, and if we are Christ, then the Lord stands as our advocate at our side to strengthen us. But he is an accuser. And he doesn't just accuse us before God either. He accuses us to ourselves. And how many times we might say in our lives, uh, the problem has been not that God will not hear our prayer, but we will not pray because we feel guilty. Because something has arisen in our lives and we have failed. And so we have not come to the Lord to confess it before him because we feel ashamed to come before him. And of course, if we don't go before him and we don't call upon him because of shame, we are in a worse position than we were before. We have less strength. And so he is an accuser to the brethren as well as an accuser of the brethren. And then uh, we can see uh, that he is an obstruction in the way. Every way we look, of course, in this world in these days, we can see uh, that there is an obstruction. You know, we would love to see the churches filled. We would love to see the people coming to Christ. And there are many times when we, we wonder what it is that holds people back from Christ. And why the world is so against Christianity and against the scriptures and against God? Because, well, we've only got to look back in history of this nation uh, as being a nation which has known the blessing of God. Uh, I would never have called it actually a Christian nation, but nevertheless, certainly the Lord worked mightily in it and see it standing in all the world and, and what the Lord has done here. And yet, no, the world doesn't want it. The world wants to go the way of everywhere else, which didn't know the blessing that we have known. And we are are amazed. The devil sets an obstruction in the way through his lies, through his oppositions. He stands at our right hand to resist us. So we see the adversary's rounds that he is walking to and fro in the earth. And we find the adversary's investigations also walking up and down an enemy. He looks to, uh, to stop the work of God in any way that he can. And there are many uh, a time the work of God has been broken down by uh, gossip. Uh, the Apostle Paul deals with that situation uh, within a congregation. It can be broken down by disagreements between brethren. And the Apostle deals with that uh, from offense 
that might be taken by someone. It might be an offense which is actually given by someone. But again, the apostle deals with that. He has seen it all. He has seen it all. And in all the churches which he has established and the, uh, the brothers and sisters which he has known in those places. And he cries out to them, be of one mind. Work together. Work with God. Forgive one another. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The, the devil investigates and gets in amongst and, he, and he, he stirs up adversaries one against another. And we should not work together. And when we see the adversary's investigations, we can say that certainly something which attracts him to us is the bright light. We've seen just recently from Luke's gospel how that the light is to be put upon a candlestick. And when a person comes to Christ, we don't hide that fact. We don't put it under a bushel. We don't hide it under a bed. We set it upon the candlestick. And so when a person comes to Christ, we are to proclaim that we are the Lord's. And we are to proclaim that gospel which we have believed and uh, which has called us into the presence of the Lord. And as soon as we proclaim that we are a Christian in some way, perhaps uh, through the waters of baptism, perhaps by giving a testimony, by perhaps just a personal testimony to someone in your workplace, uh, we might say that that light attracts the attention of the wicked one. And we'll consider that in a moment. But the Lord says to us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven we are to shine forth as lights and job certainly did that hast thou considered my servant job that there is none like him in the earth the brightest of lights then we might say upon the face of the earth in his day and the lord says have you considered him oh, certainly certainly he knows him by name and he knows that there is a hedge about him and he knows that the Lord has blessed the works of his hand. That the Lord has increased his substance in the land. He knows. And he knows that he is protected by the Lord. As we shine forth as lights in this dark world, we are easy to see. Uh, such is the darkness around us. We are easy to see. And not only does the world see us, but the devil sees us. And we are fair game. Hast thou considered? And then we see the adversary's malice also. What, what is it here that we notice of Satan? Ah, take away these things and he will curse thee to thy face. He desires that Job would curse God. Why? What is this? Uh, I would suggest to you that Satan hates mankind because we and not he are made in God's image. Because God created man in his own image. He personally, we read in Genesis, breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. That there is a unity, that there is a communion between mankind and God in that sense. And man, although he is fallen, nevertheless bears the image of God. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And we read also concerning the murder of a, of a person in this world. In Genesis 9 and verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God 
made he man. the, the, The angels were not made in God's image. We were made in God's image. And we know that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? And Jesus Christ, in his great prayer of John 17, that prays that uh, we might be with him where he is, that they might, well, we might see his glory, which he had with the Father before the foundation of the world. There are great things in store for those who are Christ's. And the devil was not a part of that. He was a ministering spirit, if we are uh, to accept that explanation of him. Once an angel, then fallen. And he, his malice then is not necessarily against us, in a sense, but against God. His malice is against us because we are made in God's image, but it is God who made us in his image. And what he wants is this separation between man and God. His greatest delight is an, uh, an atheism. It is a, a hard rejection of God, a cursing of God to his face. That's what he desires. He has this great malice toward us and toward the Lord. And then, of course, uh, to enhance that hatred is the holiness which might be in the Lord's people. Because that makes us even more in the image of God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And we are created in the image of God. But when we come to Christ, we are, as it were, created again in the image of God, in true holiness in righteousness and to see such a one surely is a a sting against satan and his purposes we are made in the image and glory of god so we see this mystery of a spiritual attack and this spiritual attack is not just a an overwhelming of the spirit a spiritual attack is an attack of the wicked one uh, of course, there are many things which we would say, well, not particularly but spiritual attacks. Uh, things happen, don't they, in this world? And it could be a, a genetic thing, which is not the devil particularly attacking us. We've just got something which is a, a, a genetic uh, a deformity, perhaps, in our, in our code. And therefore, we develop this or we develop that. Other things which have come about uh, because of foolishness. Other things which could perhaps have come about uh, because... Uh, just circumstances of the world not necessarily a spiritual attack but we can see that this spiritual attack was not just upon his mind not just upon his his heart and upon his spiritual uh, communion with god but it was a physical one as well uh, where he scrapes himself with a pot shirt and so a spiritual attack can be a physical attack they seem to be different things but not necessarily so so how do we uh, master a spiritual attack well, I mean, we could say, if the devil is attracted me, to me because uh, I am a light and I'm set on a candlestick, then surely if I continue my life in obscurity and I don't tell people I'm a Christian and I don't live uh, in such a way as to, uh, as to stand out from the crowd, then the devil will leave me alone. If I don't pray and I don't study the word and I don't commit to the work of God, then really he's not going to be interested in me and I can avoid the spiritual attack. But that's not really mastery, is it? That, that's actually doing Satan's job for him. That's what he wants. And uh, really all we're doing is saying, well, I'm on the devil's side. And uh, I don't want him to uh, have any attention drawn to me. So I'll, I'll just join him and 
and I'll be on his team and then I'll be all right. And of course, that is not the way of any child of God. Our desire is to overcome the devil, to fight the devil, to fight the good fight of faith, to put on the whole armor of God, so to speak. So what can we do then? Well, first of all, I think it is a good thing to be organized. When I say organized, uh, what I mean is to have in our minds uh, the, the situation that we are in, that we might recognize that Satan will bring a backlash against us when we stand for him. I say he will bring, it's not certainty, but we should be prepared for it. Uh, There are many a person who has gone through the waters of baptism and really felt an attack afterwards. A person who has made some kind of a a, a decision, if I can use that word, for the Lord. Not a decision to be saved necessarily, but a decision to go into some part of the work of God, to become a Sunday school teacher or uh, to enter into uh, the diaconate or to become a church member or whatever else it might be. And made that decision and then comes under an attack because the devil sees that flash, as it were, of light and he attacks We need to be organized. We need to be ready for such a thing. We need to be able to say, oh, yes, I am standing for the Lord. And and now I feel this attack upon me and I knew it was coming. And here it is. I was expecting it. And so it's not going to get me down. But it just makes me more determined that it's the right thing to do to serve the Lord here and to glorify his name. To master a spiritual attack, then we need to be ready for it. We need to be organized for it. We need to know. Uh, the, the scriptures and we need in particular to be in the presence of the lord in prayer i'm always taken by the fact that when christ himself here is the son of god would minister and preach in this world afterwards he would go away into a quiet place and pray his disciples very often didn't do so and fell into all kinds of temptations we find them toiling and rowing across the lake uh, when the storm comes and jesus has not with them he has gone up into the mountains alone to seek the father and then he comes walking to them on the waves why because he has the victory he's been in the presence of the lord sometimes you see even in preaching we can come we can deliver our soul in preaching and we go home we're tired it's tiring preaching you may not understand this but it is actually very tiring to preach it takes a lot of energy from our bodies to to preach and we go home we might think oh i'm really tired i just want to sit down have a cup of tea and go to bed But it's a time, really, where we need to be seeking the Lord. It's a time when the attack of the wicked one comes upon us. And then the mastery of the spiritual attack, of course, is to overcome. Job had lost his family. He had lost servants. He had lost livestock. He had lost honor because of those who were around him who considered him now uh, to be under the judgment of God. And he had lost his health. And yet we find him at the end still in the presence of the Lord and honored of God. And God restored Job when he he prayed for his friends. He was still favored of the Lord. Sometimes we think when all these things come upon us, we're not favored of the Lord. If we were favored of the Lord, all all things would go well. But through it all, the Lord was there. And at the final end of those things, the Lord honored Job and his friends were forgiven for their follies because Job prayed for them. 
We need that determination to overcome. And it's good to hide the scriptures in our hearts, such as uh, that the Lord, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Look up for your salvation, draweth nigh. See Peter walking upon the water and then he looks around at the winds and the waves and cries back to Christ and Christ lifts him back to the waves and brings him back again. Look beyond the things and the troubles and the difficulties at that which the Lord has promised. And remember that that great promise is the salvation of our souls. And then finally the management of a spiritual attack. Well first of all of course we see that the Lord manages the spiritual attack. We find that Job is hedged about to begin with and Satan has considered him but he cannot put forth his hand to do anything to him at all. And then he says to the Lord if you uh, take away all of that protection uh, then he will curse thee to thy face. And then in the second chapter we find that he comes again and Satan says to the Lord in verse 4 skin for skin yea all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said said to Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his soul. The word life there is the word soul, but save his soul. And so everything was now in Satan's hand to do as he will. Satan has already been proved wrong, of course. And because the Lord, uh, because Job in all this sinned not nor charged God foolishly chapter 1 verse 22 but now uh, Satan goes forth and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown so here he is and first of all we can say in the management of a spiritual attack remember that God has a hedge about his people and even if he will break down that hedge to a certain extent he's still Satan needs the permission of the Lord to come near and still there are stipulations which the Lord makes upon the wicked one that he can only go so far and no further and let us continue to trust in the Lord who is able to bring us through and let us see even in those situations what it is that we can learn about ourselves Job learned a lot he says behold I am vile I will lay my hand upon my mouth once have I spoken yea twice but I will speak no more and he learned many things about himself and was blessed twofold we find in the end with more sons and daughters and twice as much as he had before to manage the spiritual attack then remember that the Lord's hand is upon you and remember also that help is with us, that the Lord is with us. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we read, There hath no temptation taken you. And as I've sought to put across to you on many occasions, that word temptation, uh, purasmos, is a, is a word which means temptation and trial. It means both. Uh, the context might change the meaning a little bit. Uh, but in, in a way, both of those words can mean the same thing. So we could read it this way, there hath no trial taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation or the trial also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Remember Peter, as 
The Lord said to him, Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. I have prayed for thee. And the, the Lord is with us. His, his help is by us. And the Lord himself understands all the way that we go. Job says so. He, he knoweth the way that I take. Hebrews 2.18 also says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted or tried, he is able to succor or comfort them that are tempted. Now the Lord is with us. So remember that in every difficulty of life, that the Lord is with us. And though he may keep silence, nevertheless he has not departed. And though he may allow us to go through the trial and test us uh, to the end of our endurance, yet he has not forsaken us and will bring us through. And then keep in mind those heavenly joys which are set before us. In the management of a spiritual attack, we need to be looking beyond the attack to those spiritual joys. We read together from James 5 and verse 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You might, through reading through the midst of Job, say, well, we don't see much of the tender mercy of God as he scrapes his, himself with a pot shirt. But the end of the Lord, or the purpose of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He sees all that comes upon us, and he is by our side, and will keep us that we will overcome. Again, Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not just the author of our faith, but the finisher of our faith. He is there to the end, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He has gone before us. He understands the way. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be beaten. Uh, he knows what it is to suffer pain in the flesh, Weakness in the flesh, tiredness, the constant uh, badgering by the world. He is the light of lights in the midst of the world. And Satan, in his personal uh, contacts with Christ, I, I very much doubt that anybody here has ever come face to face with Satan himself. But Christ did in the wilderness. And the temptations are personal with the devil and finally we see from jude one twenty four, thinking here of the management of a spiritual attack by considering the heavenly places the the heavenly blessings which lay ahead of us now unto him that is able to keep you from falling to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with his exceeding joy to the only wise god our savior be glory dominion majesty and power Let's glorify God through it all. Let's sing his praises. Remember Paul and Silas in the prison? After they had been beaten and put in the stocks? How they sang. How they sang to the praise of God. And how the Lord came in, delivered them. And saved the Philippian jailer. The Lord is able to do mighty things through our sufferings. And let's dedicate all those things to him. And overcome the spiritual attacks as Job overcame, and we count him happy indeed. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts.